for an elderly father well over a hundred years old to bind his son, it took the voluntary willingness of the son. And from this narrative, from this record, there was no resistance. There was no struggle. And this is a perfect parallel with our Lord Jesus coming into the world to do the will of the Father. And voluntarily, indeed excitedly, with joy, the cross was set before him that he might be the Savior and sacrifice of his people. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I trust that today that you will be encouraged and helped. We're going back to the message on God will provide himself a lamb, an amazing story of a parallel with the cross, acted out, lived out, and written in the Bible 2,000 years prior to Calvary. This is one of the wonders of the Bible. It is truly an inspired book because you can have such detailed parallels picturing the person, work, life, death of the Lord Jesus. So let's just get to the account in Genesis 22. And Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abram lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abram said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abram took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon his son Isaac. And he took the fire in his hand, and a knife. And they went, both of them, together. And Isaac spake unto Abram his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abram said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And here is an amazing parallel, the picture of the harmony between father and son as they went to the sacrifice. And of course, it speaks of the Father of heaven sending the Lord Jesus, his only son, to go to the cross, and Jesus doing so willingly for us. So let's move to our pulpit message now, and I trust the Lord will Speak to your heart from his word today. All of the conversation between Isaac and his father, and Abram said, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Isaac was satisfied with that. So they went 
both of them together. And then verse 9, they came to the place which God had told them off when Abraham built an altar and led the wood in order and bound Isaac his son. Did you ever try to bind a teenager? A young man which would be athletic and strong and fighting fit. Don't quickly get entangled with a, a bulky teenager. You might lose. One of the great dreams that our four sons had is that they would be taller than their father. That was no high dream, was it? That was no, that was not too much to ask. And they all achieved it. And there were years that I was quite willing to take one on or two or even four of them. But then I started to get smart. Let's not do this anymore. For an elderly father, well over a hundred years old, to bind his son, it took the voluntary willingness of the son. And from this narrative, from this record, there was no resistance. There was no struggle. And this is a perfect parallel with our Lord Jesus coming into the world to do the will of the Father. And voluntarily, indeed excitedly, with joy, the cross was set before him that he might be the Savior and sacrifice of his people. Now, our Lord Jesus coming into this world, he knew the hour of his death, and he set himself to go to the cross. When he was questioned by Pilate, he remained silent, not to be obstinate, but that the will of God might be done. He wasn't there to argue his way out of it. He was there to be led as a lamb to the slaughter. He could have called the angels to set him free. He could have pulled the nails in the cross. But there he hung by a, an amazing offering in the will of the Father going through with God's plan. I must suffer. That was Jesus' attitude. I must suffer and die. And there beyond the actions of men, and I have to explain this, and I want to take a couple of minutes to explain this, beyond the actions of Roman soldiers, beyond the blood loss due to the nails in his hands and feet, beyond the crown of thorns crushing his head, beyond the mockery and the scorn of the crowds around him and the shame, before the Roman soldier came to break the legs of the victims on the cross, our Lord Jesus was already dead. So soon, the others were yet to die. Their legs needed to be broken that they might die more speedily. You see, our Lord Jesus did not die as the result of man's inflicting wounds. The Bible tells us he offered up himself as a sacrifice to the Father. He exerted his own power to yield his life an offering to God. And the only cords that were needed were the Trinitarian bonds of a Father's love and purpose that Jesus would save his people from their sin. Even you, if you believe today, even you, if you will come today. Now, do you believe and rest in this? It's not enough to just know about it. It's not enough to even be able to tell others about it. The question is, do you rest your soul 
in the plan of God, centered in His Son, and in that voluntary offering up of Himself as your sacrifice to be your Savior. That's a Christian's faith. That's saving faith. I trust that you have that strong root of faith as an anchor to your soul today. Whatever else may be going on in your life, this is your gospel. This is your faith. Now, the next thing we learn from this parallel in Genesis 22 is that God was willing to slay his own son. Remember that God was testing Abram. He was testing his love. He was testing his obedience. And God led him to the very point where Abram was within a second of slaying his own son with that knife gleaming in the sun, ready to plunge it into his heart. And he said, Abram, Abram, now I know. And the whole thing was a test. Now, there's something else to notice here, that this, this spirit that was in Abram, this readiness to do it. And I drew that little picture of going up the CN Tower with your most precious child, with, with this intention of destroying your child. Why? Why did Abram do it? He didn't question And it says here, and (coughs) verse 5. Let's just read verse 5. And Abram said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, either that was a lie or it was faith. Which do you think? Was Abram trying to just pan off those servants, hiding them from the thing that he was going to do, willing to lie to them? Or was there something that Abram believed in, that God was going to vindicate the whole thing? Well, let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 17. Because this is such a big issue, it's such a big question, We really need the Bible's answer on it. Not just my answer, but the Bible's answer on it. And here in Hebrews 11, 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now you'll notice God took the will for the deed. In the mind of God, Abraham was ready to do it, and would have done it. He took the will for the deed, of whom it is said, In Isaac shall thy seed be called, according that God, this is verse 19 now, in Hebrews 11, according that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. It was drama. It was a choreographed event paralleling what God would do with his own son. And God was willing to slay his son, make him a sacrifice for our sins, because God was also going to raise him up on the third day. And he did it. And he did it. And so this whole event was a test for Abram. It was not a test to God. God was not tested 
but God fulfilled his promise and his plan. I want you to see the doctrine of substitution here. Let's go to verse 13 in chapter 22. We're working our way down the page here. And you'll see in verse 13 that Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abram went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering. And here are the words, in the stead of his son. In the place of his son. And there is the precedent of God permitting a substitute, one to step into the place of another. And of course, in Isaac's case, this sheep, this ram that was caught in the thicket, by both horns, may I say, in a thicket in a woody shrub area, and the poor beast couldn't free itself. And Abram could only go there and lay his hands on it, And in the stead of Isaac, in the place of Isaac, he sacrificed that sheep. In God's plan, there is substitution. God not only planned it, but he provided the substitute. That's the story here. That's the story of Calvary. Now, this idea of substitution was not really new in the world. The Romans and the Greeks thought that their pagan gods demanded human sacrifices to be appeased. And so they would sacrifice their servants. They would sacrifice their sons. That was pagan religion. And so someone might ask, well, what's the difference now with Christianity? What's the difference? Well, the difference in the Old Testament story is, he said to Abram, don't do it. And the other difference is, That when God demands a substitute or a sacrifice, he provided his own son. That's not a God of gore and of torment. That's a God of grace. He not only planned a substitutionary offering to to permit it, but he provided it. And that's the wonderful message of the gospel. Now, do you see the love of God in this? Do you see the nature of God in this? Do you see the kindness, the great big-heartedness of the God of heaven whom we worship and serve, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who from eternity planned a way of saving our souls by sending His Son to take our place? This is the genius of the gospel, and you and I must lay hold upon it with delight, and we do. This is the joy of the gospel. Another took my punishment. He stood in my place. He took my beating. My sins were led in him, and all his perfect works are upon me. This is the wonder of the gospel. And it's a thrill to preach it. Another point of parallel, God blesses us through the plan of the cross. If you look at verse 16 in Genesis 22, it says, And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, 
For because thou hast done this thing, thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. And because of that act of obedience, because of his willingness to sacrifice even his only son, God now showered upon Abraham blessings generation after generation until the world will be filled with his offspring. Now, at Calvary, when God slew his Son and our Lord Jesus obeyed the will of the Father, we are told that by one man's obedience shall many be made righteous. And that obedience of the Lord Jesus to the Father has produced a perfect life, a perfect righteousness. It is the grounds of our faith for all eternity. And so to you and to me, every blessing comes to us from Calvary. Every day we enjoy Calvary blessings. Every fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and every other fruit, they come from Calvary. They were bought by the blood of Jesus. And we are a blessed people because of that amazing plan of God. Now, this gospel of substitution is at the heart of the gospel. It was masterminded by God Himself, and it was provided by God Himself. And God is calling you just as he did to Abraham, lay not thine hand upon the lad. Isaac doesn't need to die, nor do you. The wages of sin is death. Yes, the law condemns. Yes, the judgment day will be strict. Yes, but there is a way, a plan of salvation for your soul, and by substitution you are saved. This is what is at the heart of gospel preaching. I wouldn't cross the street to go to a church that denies substitution. I wouldn't put one cent in the offering of a church that never preaches the gospel of substitution. There's people who say Jesus died as a martyr. He died as a model. He died to motivate. The gospel is Christ died. That's history. Christ died for us. That's the gospel of substitution. Take it to heart. And don't tell me that you're going to heaven until you've gone to the cross by faith to take the sacrifice of Christ that was made on your behalf. No cross, no crown. No blood, no blessing. No sacrifice, no salvation. No suffering unto death for us. No eternal life for us. Do you get that? Did it sink in? Please don't go home saying, I've no idea what that preacher was saying. Praise God we're saved by a substitutionary atoning sacrifice. Washed in the blood and sure of heaven. May each one here today have that testimony. Let's unite in prayer, please. O God, our Father, we ask Thee to minister on this word of the gospel to each heart. We pray that this will be food to feast upon, food to pray upon, food to stand strong in an unbelieving world. 
food that we might be equipped as evangelists to tell the world the good news of a Savior who took our place and died in our stead at the cross. We ask Thee to convict of sin, to open eyes to see and rejoice in the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves in this plan and purpose of God. We ask Thee, Father, to work Your eternal purpose, to build Your church, gather in Your people. Oh, bless us now, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Might I say, if there's someone here today and you're not saved, I'd be delighted to take the time and talk with you. Just come and talk to me. And I'm sure there are others here, too, that would be glad to help. May the Lord be gracious and save your soul today. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher calling all Canadians back to the Bible. What has happened to our beloved Canada? We have plummeted to the depths of sin and shame, and multitudes don't care or don't know that sin always brings consequences. God has said in His Word, Be sure your sin will find you out. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Yet Canadians are like Lot. Every day they are getting deeper and further into Sodom. I don't think Lot thought he would ever live in Sodom. He saw the green pasture for the cattle. He cut loose from Abraham to make his own way as a businessman. It's where he ended up that ought to scare us. He saw the city of Sodom. He went to live in the city, and he also took office in that city, even though his soul was constantly grieved by its sin. And he was there when the angels of the Lord visited with a pronouncement of judgment upon that place. I know there are many who some years ago would never have gone down the road to Sodomy, nor planned to get involved in it here in Canada. But the pressure of the world has drawn them in. Lot was led out of the city by those angels. He, his wife and two daughters, were pulled out. Let me ask you, what is it going to take to get you out of Sodom? God's judgment is coming upon all forms of evil. God's wrath will fall on Canada. He will not long tolerate the open defiance of his laws. Canada has gone from taking the Ten Commandments out of our schools and public forums to instituting the very things that the Bible condemns in those Ten Commandments. Men thought that society could live in a vacuum of neutrality on moral issues, but they cannot. When morality was sucked out, the madness of rebellious men rushed in to institute a new culture of immorality. It is time to refuse the lie that God doesn't see or doesn't care. Look at what happened to the cities of the plea near the Dead Sea. They were judged by fire and brimstone. They were wiped off the map, and everyone living under its control were gone. Sodom and Gomorrah is a warning to people of every age that God will not ignore our sins. God will soon judge the wicked who defy his holy standards of morality. Every soul needs to heed the warning and get out of the thinking that men and women 
can go on endlessly in the paths of sin. To do so with profit, go back to the Bible, read its message, and then heed its warnings to flee from the wrath to come. If you truly repent and turn to faith in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. All who will not heed God's warning will be judged. And do not be like Lot's wife who, from out of the city, looked back yearning for her sinful life. It's not enough to know about the sins that God hates. You must hate them too by turning away from them in repentance and by turning to the Savior who was sent to save us from our sins. Will you turn from the world today and be saved? Will you stop in your paths going on and on towards Sodom and today turn to the cross of Calvary where Jesus suffered for all our many sins? By his blood you can be saved even from the sins of Sodom. In the New Testament, the church called Corinth, there Christians worshiping the Lord who had been delivered from such sins. Paul the Apostle said of them, Such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are justified, ye are sanctified. You need that testimony of cleansing from your sins. Then you will be saved from God's wrath, free from all condemnation, and sure of heaven. This is what the Bible promises in Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And the Spirit will never lead you in the way of the sins of Sodom. Flee, my friend. Go to the cross today and be saved. Thank you for listening to Let the Bible Speak Today, and this is Pastor Ian Gallagher. I hope that the gospel message of the picture of the Lord Jesus suffering, bleeding, dying upon the cross has gripped your heart. Balance that with man's sin and need of the Savior. The Lord Jesus is the Savior you need. No matter your sins, no matter your iniquities or background, the Lord Jesus came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you know that you're lost, if you know that you have no hope of peace with God on human terms, you need the Lord Jesus to become your Savior. And he will interpose, he will plead for you as your advocate, and the Bible says that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now please feel free to give me a call or send me an email. And coming up very soon as all the announcements. But uh, the website is ltbs.ca. ltbs.ca. And please join us again at this time on this station tomorrow as we Let the Bible Speak. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.l.com. 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.